Welcome to episode number five of the Camera Shake podcast with Nick Kirby and me, Kirsten Lutz, the photo and video podcast coming at you straight out of isolation into your eardrums. We'll be talking about talk life in lockdown, what's happening in the world outside, and if we're lucky, we'll hit on photography too. But before we get started, please throw us a solid and subscribe to this podcast. And if listening to our super smooth voices isn't enough for you, you can check us out in glorious Technicolor over on YouTube. Without further ado, let's get into it. In today's episode, we have a really special guest, and I'm thrilled to introduce you to Debbie Ram from Debbie Ram Photography. Debbie is an event and portrait photographer specializing in bar and bat mitzvahs. And I'm going to ask you about the difference between the two in just a second there, because I'm really not sure. Um, and also weddings and events. And um, Debbie, you're based in and around Hertfordshire, is that right? I am. Hello, guys. Nice to, to meet you, speak to you on here. Hi, Nick, and hi, Kirsten. Uh, yep, yeah, I'm in Hertfordshire, and that's mainly my work is uh, bat and bar mitzvah work. Can you ask me the difference between them both? Yes, what is the difference? So a bar mitzvah is when a boy turns 13 years old and he is uh, turning into a man in the Jewish religion and a girl is usually 12 years old, um, and that's a bat mitzvah. So uh, over here in, in this part of the world, they have quite big celebrations for that, and usually almost as big as, as some weddings, really, and they require photographers to record the events and to, to, to capture it for them. That, that's what I do. Yeah. So that's really interesting because um, I know a lot of wedding photographers, but, but you've really specialized almost like in, in sort of a specific niche of wedding photography, which is mainly sort of based around the Jewish community. Isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't what I originally planned. I started off photography, and when I decided to go into a career, I thought I might go into boudoir photography or something exciting like that. Pretty much I've done everything but that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I had a few friends, a few of my Jewish friends asked me to do some, some work for them, and then could I photograph their kids? And then when they turned 13, I started just, my name started getting a bit more popular in, in the Jewish market, you know, Jewish people. Um, very good at recommendations, so my name sort of went around, and, uh, and that's kind of the the industry I fell into, the genre of photography I fell into, and I love it. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen your images, and uh, clearly, I mean, the reason why you know we thought it'd be amazing to have you on our podcast is because I'm completely flabbergasted, uh, flabbergasted by your by your event images. They're really they're so like present and like full of action and life and stuff, and like they really jump out at you, which is you know. Uh, for me, as a as a uh, as an event photographer, that's really something really special. You know, that's something I'm always trying to achieve. When I look at your uh, Facebook page um, and when I look at your images, then it seems like every image that's on there just it just kind of you know it's got that kick. So um, I'll be really interested to hear how you do that. Um, so you know, I'm really I'm really uh, thrilled to speak to you. Um, so how did you get into photography in the first place? I've always liked it. Growing up as a kid, I came from quite an arty family. My mum used to paint, but she still does paint. My dad used to play the piano and was very involved in jazz, and he wrote for jazz magazines as well. Um, so I was kind of born into a creative family and pulled around museums and exhibitions. I hated it as a kid, really, but you know, I started to grow up to love it. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, always I had an interest in photography. And then I think Instagram started uh, before Zuckerberg took over it. And I was, you know, playing around with my iPhone and, you know, lying on the floor and doing upside down things. And, you know, I thought maybe I'll invest in a camera. I bought myself a cheap Nikon, uh, entry-level Nikon camera. 
Um, I was walking around uh, Watford. It was called the Harlequin at the time. It's now the Intu Centre. And there was an exhibition going on from a, a camera club called Watford Camera Club. And I joined the club very soon after seeing these really lovely exhibitions. And, um, and it kind of went from there. I kind of pushed myself a bit and wanted to learn and self-taught. And, just felt, you know, I started building up uh, a career very, very slowly whilst working, uh, you know, having a full-time job. Then it went to part-time and do a bit more photography. And that's how, how I did it. So... It's kind of a very happy accident. Yeah. yeah. It's funny this because I hear this a lot is, is that um, getting into pro photography sort of ends up being a happy accident in a way. And it's, uh, you know, it's actually, I think that's, that's amazing. It's, it's probably, it's one of the few um, areas of, of business where that's still true. You know, there's, there's so many, so many different things where you now need to have like whatever qualification and you know, and everything else. But in photography, it really seems like I seem to meet a lot of photographers, pro photographers who, you know, really are there because they've just, you know, they were just grinding away, you know, and, and building their, their knowledge and, and they got better and better to the point where, you know, it all of a sudden it made sense to set up a business and, and actually make a living out of that. So true. As in, and what happened to me, I was working, I worked for the Met Police for a while. Uh, I think that's when I started really getting into photography. I was working, uh, taking calls and dispatching units. And it was a hobby of mine, you know, just, just taking these pictures. And as I said, part of this camera club and competing in images. And, you know, which now I, I don't really like the idea that I even did that. But, uh, but I, I, I learned so much, so much. And, you know, I was with like-minded people. And... Uh, taking my camera out, friends started seeing, I was taking pictures, I was doing portraiture for them. I think someone asked me to do their 40th birthday party and said they'd pay me, I sort of took 50 quid for it. And uh, so just built from there and, and it did make sense to me. I loved being behind the camera and I loved being creative with the camera, I was creative as I can. More than anything, I love being present uh, with my photography. So when I say that, sort of reflects on what you said that, and I like, I'm very flattered that you said that, you know, my, my work, you know, you're feeling something from it because I felt something from it when I was taking it. And I know it's a bit cliche, a bit cheesy maybe, but I really do like to be present in, in my work and interact with the people I'm working with. And I, I love being an event photographer and I love doing these bat and bar mitzvahs because I'm partying like, like crazy. Like I'm with these kids, they're jumping around like mad to music. They've got DJs, there's food. I'm eating, I'm dancing and and um, I'm shooting at the same time. And and. You know, I, I stop and, you know, it, they're all quite the same. There's a big format. There's, a, there's like the same format to a lot of the work that I do. And, uh, you know, when speeches go on and people are talking about their friends or their families, I sit and I listen and I want to feel it and, and I try and capture that. And, mm. yeah, I, I think we all try and do that. But I think it's my main thing is to, to try and put a bit of emotion into it. I'm not techie. I think I've spoken to you about that before. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I do like to to put a little bit of emotion into my work if I can. But that's, I mean, you know, the, I think the techiness is always an interesting question because I think as a, you know, as a photographer, you end up talking a lot about cameras generally, you know, with, with photographers on, on all sorts, on all different levels. And of course you've got some people who are very techy, very kind of technology focused. And, you know, they always have to have the latest camera body and the, you know, the latest lens and all the, 
gizmos and everything else. And then you have other, uh, you know, the other side of photography, which are people who are really just very, very creative. And you could give them like a pinhole camera and they'll still come out with something amazing, <laughs> you know? And I think this is the thing that really um, attracts me to your imagery um, is there's just such an energy in there. And really, you know, I don't think for a second, oh, what camera does you use for that? It's just because you're so like taken aback by what's happening in, in the frame. It just doesn't really seem to come up in my mind. I will ask you about lighting though. That's the one thing. <laughs> that's the one thing I want to know. Okay. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, just looking at your, your images, I'm not at all surprised that your business really took off because I think, you know, your images really speak for themselves. So when you, you know, when you started to get a, a sort of a foothold in, um, in particular, you know, in the events photography world, uh, and in particular in the in the Jewish community, how did that carry on for you? Did you was that mainly work uh, work by mouth, or did you have to advertise a lot? Or how how did you sort of develop your business from there? A lot of it was word by mouth and, and Facebook. I, you know, I can't lie that I, I don't. My website's down. My website hasn't been functioning for for a while. And yes, that's very unprofessional. But I have got a lot of work through through posting images or a few images with permission of, of parents and, or, or whatever it is I'm doing at the time um, onto Facebook with a little bit about what I did that the evening before uh, or what it was all about. And, and that's, that's how it's come to me. I mean, as I said, I mean, the Jewish community are very into recommendation um, and there's, there's some groups that I'm on, um, you know, other photographers and competitors, we all compete to, to, to win business over. Um, you know, I, I, it, it's meeting with the client as well. I'm very much myself. I think my images speak for themselves. You either like my work or you don't. But I do think a lot of it is also to do with how you interact with the family. And this is a big special day for some families spend a fortune on these events. Some don't. And, and, and my price is set. I don't, I don't go and see somewhere and go, wow, that's the most amazing you know, house I'm going into. And, and, and it, it's a set price. And, you know, I explain, I'm very transparent about my business of what, a person will get get for the money that they spend, mm. and you know I like to build up some kind of relationship with the family a bit leading up to it, and, and obviously while I'm working with them, because I want to be part of their day. You know I don't want to be putting pressure onto them. I want them to feel relaxed with me, and you know I have ways of doing that and connecting with people and having fun, trying to gauge them. Other people that said they'd like to go into photography business, how would they they do that? The way I did it was um, I eventually went part-time. So I ended up working for uh, a company, working with vulnerable adults, getting them back into the work industry. So these are people that could have been ill or people with um, disabilities, um, learning learning difficulties, all, all kinds of things, and, and getting them back into the work environment and supporting them. And this was a part-time job. And at the same time, I was shooting, doing things for myself and a little bit of paid work as well to bring some extra income in. Um, and... But to be fair, I was made redundant um, after working with the company for, for three years and I loved the job and I was like, right, I can either look for another job or I can bite the bullet and, and really go for it. And it was a big leap of faith. I, I made a big statement that, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for it. And I had a lot of support from friends and family and some, some well, well-established photographers even behind me, you know, who, who've been following, following me, uh, said, you know, go for it, we support you, you can do it. And I put a lot of work into it. I mean, I was, I'm, I'm a single mum, two gorgeous kids, waking up early in the morning and 
they've sending them off to school. I'm working from day to night, you know, sorting out uh, editing, different imagery, uh, writing, whatever, uh, to try and promote myself. Again, I think I mentioned on Facebook and mm. um, I did have a website that was functioning at the time and just, just, just pushing myself and saving away. So it was a big commitment and a lot of work went into it to get my name out there. And I'm very lucky it did. I mean, I used to follow photographers that were in the market that I, I, I you know, the Jewish market, um, you know, doing bat and bar mitzvah photography. Um, and they were people that eventually they called me because my name was obviously uh, gotten out there for them to, to, to recognize me, which was nice. So it was really flattering when they called me and said, hi, Debbie, I'm blah, 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 and love to meet up with you. And, I, you know, I'm still friendly with these people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we share, we help each other out. And, and it's, it's a really lovely industry to be in. It's a party industry. It's a big party industry. It's all it is. It just, and it is niche. Again, I'm, uh, I come from, I'm, I'm not a religious person at all, but I come from uh, mixed parents. My, my dad, uh, C of E, and my mum's Jewish. Uh, we've had Christmas trees and we've had Hanukkah all at the same time. It's fantastic. I get lots of presents. I get to eat the food. <laughs> best of uh, both worlds. Yeah, best of both worlds. So um, I'm very lucky and, and honoured to be part of the industry uh, because it's, it's, it's so much fun. And the, there's all the people in it, like, the DJs, the and they're all mixed, and it, you don't have to be any particular religion. They're all they're all you know from all different ethnic backgrounds and what have you. You know, people that make cocktails. There's there's uh, you know catering companies. There's you know, the DJs. There's makeup artists. There's people that do glitter, and it's just such a fun, wicked industry to be in. And I'm just honoured to be part of it. You know, very humble. You know, to be part of it. So you've just described the events industry um, as a whole and all the different parts that go into it, like from, um, you know, wedding dresses to uh, catering to photography to um, flowers and everything that's part of that. Um, how has the whole lockdown coronavirus thing impacted on your business? Okay, so it, it has impacted massively. I'm sure everyone in the photography industry and videography, you know, industry knows that there isn't much social uh, distancing in event photography. We're a lot of it, you know, all together and we're faffing about one another. And so sadly, a lot of my clients had to postpone uh, their, their functions or some have had to cancel. Um, that, that said, uh, recently, um, one of my son's best friend had a bar mitzvah recently. It was a, the first virtual online bar mitzvah um, from the synagogue. Uh, he's a part of a liberal movement. And uh, I did something quite special. We, I, I set up the Zoom because it was, it was on Zoom for us all to see and I put flowers around my my Mac and and rather than just take screenshots I actually shot my kids watching it um, and uh, I also went over to the house and social distanced uh, a couple of photos together with the family um, which was really interesting because they had family in their garden with them that was social distancing from them so it was really interesting to, to put them all together um, I did that as as a as a present as a gift to them, but um, yeah, it's massively affected the industry big time. So um, yeah, it's it's been tough, and I'm hoping soon, at some point, you know, we'll all be together again behind our cameras and with 
you know, posing people. And the, the, the hard part of that was, um, I, I don't know the, the, the technical term, and this might be a bit graphic, but I call myself when I fluff people. <laughs> so when you're fluffing people and you're, you know, I'm used to going up to people and, and straightening ties and, and can I move your hair a bit? And, and it's really hard to, to start to direct that part as well. Can you, can you do certain things with your, you know, with your hair and what have you? And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that bit was, was tough. Yeah, that's difficult because I do that all the time with headshots, especially with the guys, you know, like you straighten the tie, like you, you know, just straighten out the jacket. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, you can't do it, you know. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I'm sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that headshots might be sort of the first thing in the corporate photography world that may be coming back, you know, because you, you can do kind of one-on-one headshots fairly safely, I think. Yeah. Um, and also, it's like I mentioned this in the last episode, but I think, you know, everybody's hair is now so out of whack, you know, that, that <laughs> when they're in for new headshots, that's what I'm hoping for. Everyone looking at Einstein for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so what have you been up to during lockdown? Now that you haven't been able to go out and shoot clients, what have you been up to? Okay, so we've spoken before about this, actually, and, and I've pretty much done everything but photography. So, uh, uh, yeah, I am behind my camera now and again for small little things, and I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking up ideas for shoots. But I've been in the garden. I've, I've learned the ukulele. I've been oh, wow. I've become like Adelia Smith all of a sudden. I have, um, you know, weeding, and, and I mean, my garden looks fantastic out there now. I'm really proud of myself. Uh, tidying up, sorting out my garage. Um, watching lots of Netflix, doing loads of stuff with the kids, homework. Um, I have been busy and and really nice thing, a really good friend of mine, a guy called Abel Shah from Gracious Photography. I was watching a a podcast that he'd actually done and he said, um, you know, this is a very special time. You know, this is the time you're not going to get back and and this is the time to do stuff you want to do. And uh, it it sort of resonated with me. It stayed with me and... All right, so there are things that I haven't done, like I haven't put my my, my uh, website back online, and you know I haven't done massive photography projects, but, but I have been doing a lot of things I wouldn't normally have the time to do, and yeah. and enjoy my kids well. Yeah, and I totally agree with you on that because uh, actually I felt exactly the same. You know, when when the lockdown first came into place, like I don't even know how many how many weeks ago nine. What are we now? Nine weeks. I don't know. I I've lost count. I, it's just, I don't even know what day it is today. But, um, but so when it first came out, you know, we were obviously really quite rattled by the whole thing. And we decided to, um, to do a family vlog type of a thing. So, and I, I thought, okay, well, why don't I set up kind of interviews, video interviews with each one of my kids and my wife and everything. Um, and, you know, I interview them at the beginning, at the very start of lockdown and record how they feel and how it affects them and everything. And then, you know, we'll do sort of, you know, uh, continuous vlogging throughout the whole thing. And you know, we see how the whole thing develops and where we are at the end of it sort of thing. Um, but I have to say, I mean, even just shooting the interviews at the beginning, that was so emotional that when I was editing the first bit, I thought, I can't, I just can't do this. <laughs> I can't, it's like too hard. Um, and I'm kind of glad that we didn't do it in the end because um, when I look back at that first week now, everybody was so down and depressed and worried, you know, panicked, you know, and, and now, um, and of course everybody was thinking about all the things that we wouldn't be able to do, you know, all the things that we'd be losing and um, all the things that, you know, we had to stop doing and the people we had to stop seeing. And then, 
And over the weeks, we've sort of found ways of working around that. You know, we found Zoom. Um, we found podcasting, <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we've connected with, I think for us as a family, you know, we've connected um, with, especially with our family brokers. We're, you know, we're quite an international family. We're, you know, we're a family in Germany and in Canada. My wife's Canadian um, and I have family in Canada. And, and, and we're connecting with people actually a lot more than we would have ordinarily done, you know. And so um, it's sort of, and we're getting a dog. You know? Yeah, you said that's that's so brilliant. I've got my dogs here on my right right now. <laughs> I'll have like when you know when, when we have the puppy, the puppy will become absolute part of the podcast, no doubt. <laughs> but but you know, it's it's sort of um, we've just kind of readjusted our focus, and it hasn't turned into the that kind of. Um, you know, fest of negativity that I, that we thought in the beginning that it would turn into. And actually it's like you said, you know, we've been able to, to kind of refocus and, and do a lot of the things or, or pay more attention to a lot of the things that we um, had sort of neglected. And you mentioned the garden it's the same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm now in an eternal battle with my lawn, <laughs> you know, but, but yeah, I mean, it's, I, I totally agree. It's, it's really been sort of a time for reflection and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm actually quite, I'm quite positive. I, I've really realized that, you know, if you throw a whole lot of stuff at, you know, at, at the human race, in a sense, you know, we're, we're kind of able to deal with all that and turn it around um, and, and turn it into something positive. Yeah. And I think, you know, we wouldn't, you know, we've been, Nick, we've been talking about um, starting a podcast for, I don't know how long, years probably, you know, um, and this was the time to do it. And that's why we're all here. So, um, you know, that's, it's been, it's been excellent. Right. So. Wonderful. It's lovely what you're saying. It's so, so true. You know, it, it did start off negative and, and worrying and it's all become a new normal. And uh, another uh, uh, thing that's resonated with me is something a, a friend of mine, Pete Tobias said uh, that we should be, it's not social distancing. It should be called social connecting. Yeah. physically distancing we're physically distancing but we're actually connecting more than we've ever connected uh, yeah absolutely this is exactly how i feel I, I don't feel socially distant at all like you know um i feel very connected with people at a distance you know so we're physically distant but not not disconnected at all um so it, here's the thing so you were talking about making a transition from you know being in employment and having a job and then transitioning into becoming a full-time, you know, pro photographer. And I've recently spoken to a number of people who are having these exact thoughts now, and it's because of the whole lockdown and everything that they're starting to think, well, maybe the job that I was in before this all happened wasn't really giving me that satisfaction that I was looking for in my life. And now, you know, maybe photography might actually be the thing that I love doing and I want to get into. So, how would you describe freelancing to them? What's the deal with that? For somebody who's always been like, you know, employed um, and is now considering freelancing, what, what advice would you give them? Okay. So my first bit of advice would be to only jump the gun. If, if you know, you're going to get an income from it immediately, you know, that's why I built it up part-time. I, I part-time worked and built up that way. I thought that was a, uh, very important. So I knew that I would at least have my mortgage covered and the important bills covered 
um, if it was part-time and, and if I'd gone full-time because I was getting that much money in. Um, freelancing for me, best thing ever. I am, I, I win employee of the month every month. Um, <laughs> I, I, um, I'm, I'm, my, I'm my best boss. And, and I'll tell you something, I've worked harder and madder hours you know, being uh, freelance and I would em employed. Um, I think that's a good thing. That could be a good thing and, and, and a bad thing. Um, you know, I've, I've chosen what, I've, what, I've, what work I've put in. I put a lot of work into to growing my business um, and to, to make a living off of it. And, you know, I, I started off the first year. I didn't make very much money the first year, but it, like I said, it was enough to cover my basics. And then I doubled that and then I doubled again the third year and, you know, uh, and I was very lucky, lucky, uh, as lucky to be in the industry that I'm in because I, I think you need to really think it through. You can't just say, I'm going to become a photographer and it all, and, and reap the benefits straight away. You need to put a lot of work and not slog in for it. Um, so being a freelance for me, I don't have a boss. I am my boss, but I'm a tough boss. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like the fact that I'm not being micromanaged by someone else or that I, I, I have to explain anything to anyone else. I'm for getting good images and making my clients happy. And, and that's all I want at the end of the day is for my clients to, to like what I've done, to, to, to say, you know, they ring me up or they write me a message to say they're really thrilled with an album or, or how the night was before or, or how it all went or their images, images obviously most important. And uh, that's that's what feeds me. That's just as good as the money, really. Easy, but I mean it. Mm. What was your What was your favorite photo shoot ever? Oh gosh, uh, I, I, I really couldn't pinpoint it. But I think when you get like a really good connection with the family, and and you, I, I, I'm really not low when I say I party. I will be on the dance floor with my cameras by my side, fling it, fling it away and pick one up because I see something going on and I don't want to stop people. I don't like, really like to stop people because then it comes a bit contrived, the work. I really want to capture them in the moment doing it. Um, so if you're dancing with them and having fun, then you get, you get great images from them. Um, but my, my best shoe, I don't know, quite a lot of them. I, I've, I've really enjoyed some of them. Some have been really special. When you get a kid that's really you know, thankful as well that, you know, the families really spend, it's not just about money, but they, they put so much into these functions. And when you see a kid that's really like amazed by it all and thankful for it, that's lovely. You know, it's so nice to see, you know, I think when you're a 13 year old kid and you're hormonal, you know, you don't, they don't realize what's going on around them. But when you, you get some of the kids that really do know, um, one kid came up to me, uh, funny enough, I was reading it on a, a memory on my Facebook and I'd, I'd put pictures, I'd put previews of, of the, the night before and what the kid had said. And the kid said something along the lines of, wow, I can't believe all this is for me. And it's amazing. I'm totally stoked. And mm. it's so nice when a kid tunes into to it, you yeah. know, it makes it lovely for me. I think that's really nice. This, I tell you what fascinates me in a sense is, is the fact that, I mean, I got married not, not too long ago, about three years ago. About three years ago, mm. 
<laughs> my wife's nowhere. <laughs> no, we're not around. So I can't remember. Yeah, about three three years ago. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. <laughs> when is our wedding anniversary? <laughs> anyway, so um, I'm terrible with dates, but I'll forget every year. But um, but you know the the funny thing about um about wedding photos is that they really mean so much, and you know we have a we have a selection of wedding photos, like a stack of prints in a little wooden box on our windowsill right by the couch in the living room. And every so often, I don't know, maybe every couple of weeks or something, you know, we'll take the box out and we'll have a look. And it's it's just it just gets you back into that feeling, you know, of that day. Yeah. And it's uh it's really um it's it's really special. And I would have never before, I mean, because the first time I've I've been married, um I would have never really I don't think I ever really understood really how much these images mean, you know, to someone. Um, and that's definitely changed my approach to, um, to events and to weddings. Um, I don't do many w- weddings, but I, you know, I do a few here and there. Um, but it's, I definitely understand the meaning of it in a way and the importance of those images, um, a lot more since, you know, since I've sort of experienced that myself on, you know, on the other side in front of the lens as it were. So, um, so that's, you know, it's really interesting. Do you print or I, I mean, for, for my clients, I make it into albums and just bring it back to what you said. I mean, that, that, that's such an important sales tool as well because, you know, you're looking back on these memories and to have something tangible in your hand is so special. And they're, they're heirlooms, right? Like the, the photos we have of, of parents or grandparents are all the old posed black and white pictures and yeah. that's all you have left. So, But it's true, you know, that's what I say to my clients, you know, yes, I know you like my reportage and the documentative stuff and, and the action images, but we do have to get those posed images because they're the images that stay. They stick, right? The, the, yeah. the, the heirloom photos. Um, but it's lovely that you're looking through them. I, mean, I love, love to shoot weddings more than, I mean, I love it. I, 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 I don't push that enough. I don't push doing it enough. Mm. Um, but the, the, that's so much, there's so much energy and, yeah. Motion that are in in weddings, I love it. Um, it's nice to look into your images regularly. It's special, right? Yeah. So, talking about the energy in your uh, in your photos. So, this, this is the one thing I really want to know is how do you light your your wedding photos, especially the kind of um, the sort of action shots? Because the thing that really strikes me about them is really the kind of lighting on them. Um, they look, you know, really present and um and they really pop out do you use speed lights or how do you i, do. I, I use speed lights um so i usually got four four around uh you know off camera flash um i use yungyo i don't spend fortune in in uh, flash a lot of times i get smashed by kids by accident so i don't want to you know spend an absolute fortune um and you, you know, using them with, with triggers. Um, I backlight a lot as well. There's always like this Debbie Man photography shot where, you know, the kids are receiving speeches. Uh, so they'll be sat amongst their friends and I like to put them on a chair and then backlight them and, mm-hmm. and make them look angelic uh, for yeah. that one moment. Um, so that's like a standard shot. So, yeah, I do use speed lights and, and I, I like to I watch where the DJ's lights are going as well and if I can sort of get into a certain area and... Utilize a bit on that as well, um, but yeah, I think it, it's important to to get it to, to get it lit right. 
as well. Mm. And all my pictures come out perfectly. And I used to, I used to shoot through the lens, like t- TFL um, setting. And I think, I think it, it was a game changer for me when I actually started to learn to, to work with manual flash. And my, my work completely changed, I think. It really, you know, you say being present uh, again, because I was present. I think that shows in everyone's photography. You can tell when someone's making a bit of, you know, there and make a bit of effort with the work that they're doing. Yeah. The backlighting thing is a really interesting technique. Um, so we can just maybe explain a little bit how that works. So backlighting essentially means that you've got a speed light set up behind the subject yeah. um, and you're literally aiming it at the back of somebody's head, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what happens is you get that kind of this sort of aura of light That's around. Yeah. You know, this, I don't know how to explain it. It's, you get this sort of this rim lighting all the way around. Um and then do you also light them from the front or how do you do it? I do. I, I, I didn't at the beginning, but now I do because uh, it was like potluck uh, to, to get them lit really well from the front. Um, but now, yeah, I, I have a, a flash either on my camera or also off camera, but, but facing them from a bit further and, you know, dial it down a bit just so I get feel flash. And I want them to stand out amongst everyone else. So it just gives them the, the, the standing out that you want. You know, yeah. it's about that person and about, you know, them, their reactions to, to the speech. Or, and it's uh, so effective. It's so effective. This is what I love about your images. It's just like the focus is immediately drawn to the person that you're trying to. And, and that's amongst all the other people that are in the frame as well. And this is a, it's a really difficult thing to do, I think. And that's, that's, why I, that's one of the reasons why I love your images so much is um, there's no doubt who the main character is in that shot, you know? Um, and it's just done so tastefully and, you know, it looks great for, for uh, an event photo like that. So Thank it's you. awesome. <laughs> so how do you approach an event shoot like this? Do you scout that out beforehand or what's your sort of general approach to this? Okay, so sometimes I, I scout out um, and do a recce if, if, if it's a really big function, if it's a wedding or, you know, particularly if it's a big, big function, because I want to find out if I need another photographer and, you know, how many rooms are being used. But usually uh, I, I don't do that anymore. I, I, uh, I'm I lucky enough to have done enough of them now to know there's a format to a function. So, um, you know, working with various DJs, uh, that, that, that sort of, they emcee the, the event, so to speak. Um, I've learned that there is like a, a certain way. So, most of them have got some kind of format to them and that's good. And, I, and obviously engaging with the client first to find out if there are going to be any surprises coming up, any, anything I should know about, anything, anything in particular you want me to, to capture, people you want me to capture. I like people to write, like give me a list of people that they definitely want to have photos of, of like pose photography or maybe people they don't, they don't want in their work that happens to with the families. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I I like to be prepared because I, I, I you know I want to get it right for them. I I I'm, I get like um nice nice nerves like butterflies before each shoot, and and I think that's a good thing because it, it shows that I still want to get it right and, and passionate about what I do. Mm. I'm learning stuff all the time. Um, yeah. How do you choose the locations for your shoot? Oh, okay. So if. If I'm, I don't, oh, okay. So if it's um, a, a pre-shoot, some, some families want to have a pre-shoot before 
um, I'll scout out a nice area. They sometimes they want it in the, the back of their houses, um, but sometimes nice parks or flower gardens. I've found some really nice nice places to take clients before for a shoot or for, for head shoots or for just family shoots. Then uh, I'll ask them they might want to go somewhere, but usually I'll go into a nice park or or woody area or something, depending on the season and what's going on. Yeah, that kind of work. But for weddings and and you know, they've obviously chosen the shop and, or where they want. Are you, are you talking about when I'm actually um, at the function itself? Yeah, both. I mean, when you're at the function, obviously, I'm okay. guessing, you know, you, you sort of scout out the location there. Yes, and then I do. I, do. I get there nice and early. I get there early, really super early, so that I'm all prepared. So, yeah, I will, I will wreck you the building first, but I won't go there like, days before usually. Mm. Yeah. Great. So one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about, um, and this is really one of the things that sort of touched me personally, is um, the fact that you're really a comeback person because you've gone through some some really difficult times in your life. And you, do you want to um, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I um, sadly a couple of years ago I was diagnosed with with pancreatic cancer, and uh, it it was obviously horrific. It was. It took me to a place mentally which was very hard to come out of, but I, I managed to. Um, you know, so I had to face quite a lot. I've had chemotherapy, radiotherapy, I've had massive surgery, a surgery called the Whipple surgery, which is one of the biggest surgeries, abdominal surgeries you can have. Mm. Um, so, I, yeah, it has been tough, um, but I've found positivity through it in some mad way. I've, you know, I... I don't ignore my 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 illness, but I I carry on through it, and I, I still want to be me, and you know I still shoot through it, and, and my some of my clients know about it, and I, you know I, I don't think I've changed as a person how I was before when I'm working, um, and I think that's really important, and that's been important for me. Um, so initially, when I got my diagnosis, you know. After, building up the business to how I had, that was one, one of the hardest things to, to, um, to deal with. Um, the fact that I might lose my business or that I have to give up a lot of my business. And, and luckily I've had the strongest backbone of friends and family to support. And without them, you know, I wouldn't have gotten through it, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm reasonably healthy and, um, just carrying on, carrying on and, and shooting through it. So, yeah. yeah. So you had to obviously you had to stop working for some time, and then I did. I was on one of the chemotherapies I was on um, knocked me for six, and uh, I, I wouldn't have been able to work through it. But I didn't want to, you know. It's so tough to ring up my client and, and talk them through it and tell them what had happened. Mm. Um, but luckily, I mentioned him earlier on. My friend Abel uh, from Gracious Photography, he stepped in and he took over a lot of my work for me. Um, which has been life like will savior for me um, because then I've managed to keep my business going that way. And, and like I said, I've been when you know after that particular chemo, I to carry on working, working through it, and it keeps me going. Hmm. Yeah, it was great to hear. And now it seems like you're you're kind of getting back into it. Yeah, I really am. You know, I've, I've always been quite a creative person, but I actually lockdown has really brought out a lot more creativity in me painting as well and sticking and, and, and creating making things and 
yeah, it's just not as much photography as I imagined I would have done. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I, need to, I need to get that out. I need to get get my camera out a bit more often. I'm constantly thinking up ideas. I'm seeing dresses and flowers, and I'm like, oh, my kids would look great wearing that with holding this, and you know, and and, and I'm looking at I'm looking at photography all day long. It's, it's like I'm on Instagram. I'm on these photography pages. I'm, um, you know. What, looking at stuff all the time, totally inspired, and it's all in here. I just got to yeah. get it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I said, we we talked a lot about um, photography projects, um, you know, during lockdown. So every week we set ourselves a little challenge. It's usually a photo challenge, um, or the latest challenge is a video challenge. It seems to be taking a little bit longer, but I think uh, by next week we're going to be ready. Um, it's it's a great way to to keep creative. Is I think when you challenge yourself a little bit. It's not too dissimilar to the sort of, you know, set subject kind of competitions that you'll see in camera clubs um, up and down the country. Um, but it's just, it's just a thing between, uh, between Nick and me, and we can, of course, you know, choose the subject matter. And also, what I find interesting is that we sort of switch back and forth between photographs and video, because Nick is really a videographer um, who dabbles in photography, if you want, and I'm more of a photographer who devils in videography so the challenge is a different one um and that's you know it just helps us both to develop our skills you know in in areas that maybe we're not necessarily 100 confident in um and it's just fun fun to do so um in fact talking about camera clubs i know you've been um so for a long a long time member of of a camera club locally yeah. um what would you uh, would you advise um sort of new you know, new photographers to join a local camera club and what are the sort of advantages of doing that, do you think? I mean, definitely. Firstly, you're going to meet people who are like-minded, that like photography from all different levels. Um, and the advantages are is you get to chat with them and you learn a lot about photography. Um, you, you, you get to learn about competitive photography as well, which is a completely different ballgame to, to, to professional work where, you know, event photography um but i think you learn some real fundamental important keys to photography when going to a camera club and uh so yeah i would recommend it to people who, who want to meet like-minded people and it's good fun and the, the, the camera club i belong to is, is particularly really social great i mean they say that they're a drinking club with the photography problem <laughs> that's, that's the, the cool thing about them um i've met met and gained some wonderful friends out of it um, sadly, I don't go very often at all now. Um, I've, I've, I've sort of different sort of genre completely of photography and the way I feel about photography now. Um, but I, there are some adv advantages to going to a camera club for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, to be honest, um, you know, when, when, I'm, when my wife and I first moved, uh, moved together and I, I moved to this area, um, you know, I was new to this area and I didn't really know anybody. And there was, I hadn't really considered camera clubs at all, to be honest. Um, and my wife, the one day just said to me, you know, I think you should join a camera club. You know, you could hang out with other camera nerds who are into the same thing. And I'm like, hey, that makes sense. <laughs> Let's try that. Um, and it was really fun. Yeah. And I mean, just like, you know, I don't go every week. Um, it's, you know, the pop part after the actual club meeting is, is the, the really fun part. Um, but yeah, as you say, I've learned, 
I've learned a lot from from speaking to um, other photographers and I've, I've made a lot of really, really good friends. Um, what I found really uh, inspiring is the fact that, you know, you you get to meet people who are, you have a lot of experience in areas of photography that you may not necessarily be that knowledgeable of. You know, like for me, for instance, I always say this, you know, I'm not much of a landscape photographer, never right. been, um, but I know at the club, there are lots of, you know, guys and girls who are who are really, really very skilled at this particular type of uh, photography. And so I take that as an opportunity, for instance, you know, just over a couple of drinks, you know, you can have a really good chat about how they do what they do and how they, how they create these amazing images, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I think from a learning perspective, it's a, it's a great way to uh, actually get to meet other photographers and, and, uh, and learn from them. We all learn in different ways. You know, YouTube's a great way to learn, obviously. Yeah. You know, I um, agree with you. totally agree with you. You know, you, you learn from people, but you've also got YouTube and you've got trial and error yourself. I mean, a lot of stuff that I've learned is from buggering up, you know, at some point and yeah. you know, playing with your camera and being brave enough to do it and bold enough to do it and not be scared, to be a bit fearless. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily doing that whilst being paid, but, but when you're in your you're at home or you, you do something yeah. with friends is to experiment. Yeah. There's a whole lot of difference of uh, photography associations. And I know um, we spoke about the, um, the SWPP in the past. Um, that's the Society for Wedding and Portrait Photographers um, here in the UK. Yeah. Um, and I know you've, you, at least you used to be a member or are you still a member? Yeah, no, I was a, was a member of them. Um, I used to go to their exhibitions and, and, you know, they have a really lovely, magazine that they they send to you every month and you know it's a good online community um you can learn a lot from people um, and they have not it's not just uh wedding and portraiture they will also have landscape and they also have event and corporate and just different kind of genres of photography yeah they're, they're really good um uh association to be part of i think the society um also part of the royal photographic society so i'm um, with me when i first started shooting I wanted something to aspire to and I said right in the next five years I want to you know submit a panel for uh, the Royal Photographic Society and I did that within a, a, I think a year and then um, I got my licentiate with them and it you know it was just all a bit you know very very proud of myself at the time um, and it's just nice to have initials at the end of the net at the end of your name or something if you go into a client it shows that you're not just someone who's picked up a camera and starting to shoot it shows that you pushed yourself a bit as well i think it's very good you know for for, for clients maybe just to know that you're not just you know someone who's come off the street it's like a seal of quality isn't it yeah i think so just to have something i think is is, is quite nice that, you, that, that you're taking it seriously as well um it's not essential you know, something I wanted to do. And, and you know, and it's something I've actually thought about projects maybe going the next level, but it's all for myself. It's not, it's not for anything, anything else, but, sure. um, you know, I'm not, I'm not into having my photography judged really by anyone anymore, except for my clients. Mm. Um, and, you know, my stuff I do, my personal stuff is, as long as I like it at the end of the day, as long as we're enjoying it, and we're having fun. It's the most important part. I remember speaking to you guys because I know sometimes we get together for a chat and, and, you know, I like listening to both of you because I was, you know, looking for inspiration and we were talking with other photographers as well. Um, you know, I've got all these ideas up in my head and I'm just so 
I don't know, my days are like filled with, I don't even know what, we're in quarantine, but I'm busy all, all day long doing something. And I guess I've got young kids as well. I do with like a, a kick up the butt to get my camera out and, and, and to start shooting. So uh, maybe a bit of inspiration, really. You know, I know that you guys are very good at uh, having an idea and that you actually shoot something through to fruition and I, I really admire you guys for that a bit jealous maybe because it's just me in the house with my kids and 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 uh you know they're great subjects to photograph we're, we're walking out and about taking photos now and again but uh I do I do want some inspiration to to get some proper studio lighting out I've got some great lighting some um uh Elinchrom lighting nice so, um yeah I, I could do with an idea to shoot more than just a headshot, just to do something nice with that. Yeah. yeah. When, you know, what I find is um, th- there's, there's a number of, sort of things that go through my head because I'm a little bit of a perfectionist when it comes to things and, and therefore I have a tendency to procrastinate, whatever the word is. Is that a word? Procrastinate? Yeah, yeah, procrastinate. Procrastinate is a difficult word. Um, so, uh, but also I sort of, I've learned to live with the idea of done is better than perfect. You know, um, and I had to really like learn to live with that. And so what I tend to do is um, I either have a definitive concept in my head and I'm going to think, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to plan it through and then I execute. Um, Or I'm going to say, right, now's the time for me to do something. I've got a couple of hours, you know, I don't know, everybody else's plane, I don't know some kind of online game or something, <laughs> you know, whatever. They have no idea what they're doing. What are they doing? Um, and then, you know, I get, yeah. And, I, you know, I set stuff up and then um, it starts rolling. It starts rolling from there. I mean, one of the things I've learned uh, from being a musician uh, when it comes to creativity, um, you know, this is one of the things I've learned over time is that um, you sometimes you find yourself in a position where you have to switch the creativity on. And it's a little bit, I, I see it like, you know, you, you stick, the key into the keyhole and then you open that door and the ideas start flowing. But if you never put the key in the keyhole and you keep that door shut, then, then it doesn't seem to be happening. And so as a, as a studio musician, you know, what I've learned is, you know, I've got to be in the studio, I don't know, on a, on a Thursday at 10 o'clock and we've got two hours and things have to happen in those two hours. You know, I don't really then have the luxury to kind of sit around and say like, Oh, I can't really think of anything now, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with something tomorrow. Um, it just has to happen. And you kind of learn to unlock that door right. at that point. And that's sometimes that helps me with photography too. You know, I set the lights up. It's the same thing. You've got some nice lighting and some modifiers and la, la, la. And I basically, I start setting stuff up. And just the process of doing that will then, st- you know, it starts <laughs> to unopen that door. Yeah. And then um, more times than not, I actually just put myself in the picture then. You know, and this is where a lot of the, you know, the recent photographs have come from where um, I'm literally, you know, the photographer and the model at the same time. And it's just because there's nobody else around or everybody's, <laughs> everybody's so tired of being asked to pose, you know, um, which also happens. Um, and then, yeah, it just, you know, it just, it just kind of grows from there. So, um, and of course, the other thing that's, uh, that I found really useful is to have these little competitions uh, with Nick because there's a set deadline, to it. And although we've been very lax on the latest one, <laughs> I have to say, but um, I, I really found out that's really a tricky one. I have to say that's, that's the hardest one so far. Um, but 
it's the kind of, you know, to get started is that for me that very often sort of unlocks that door and then that lets the creativity flow. So, um, you know, it's one of the things I'm going to be doing actually uh, probably tomorrow or maybe, the, yeah, tomorrow or the day after. I know, I'll, I, know I have a, a little bit of time. I'll have a few hours where people are off doing other things. And um, that's when I'm going to block off all the all the windows in my studio space, which is the thing we talked about earlier. Is I don't have any blinds uh, at the moment installed and I have a lot of uh, window space there and I need to kind of block that off so I can cont- control the light better. And I'll do that and then I will test it by doing some kind of shoot. And I really don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I know when I'm going to do it and I kind of know how I'm going to do it. I just don't know what I'm going to end up with. And it might just be sort of a spur of the moment thing. Maybe I'll have a mask sitting around or some coat or I don't know, some object. I'll find something, you know, Um, but I'll come up with something then and I'll make it look as good as I can at that moment. And that'll be one thing done. (laughs) Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. That's probably what I need to do is actually get the equipment out. I, I have, I have been doing dabbling, you know, as I've been going for walks, as I said before, I take my cameras with me and, I went out into my garden. I bought some hipster uh, crystal ring recently, which you put over your camera and shoot through it. And I was farting about my garden doing that. And <laughs> but I, 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 maybe I will. Maybe I'll turn the camera inwards and, and shoot me. I think the last time I did that was a year after my diagnosis. So it was my last proper project that I did. Right. Um, so maybe I need to do that. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. I just have to take it out and, you know see what happens yeah and this is uh, often that's the that's the thing as much as i love pre-planning things and with some of the photographs um that i've made you know recently um there was a lot of pre-planning involved and that was the kind of thing in a way i had the exact idea in my head i kind of knew what the photo was going to be like before before i shot it and then the actual um the actual shot itself the actual shoot itself i should say it was pretty easy and very quick because everything had been pre-arranged and pre-planned um, but there's been a lot of um, occasions where I just kind of felt like oh, I'm just going to take the camera out. I'm just going to try something. I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to set it up, and then you know see what happens. Um, and that's, to be honest, nine times out of ten, that turns into a pretty cool photograph. You know, um, good example is I got a um, I got a new coat for Christmas. I remember, and it's like a really fluffy coat, like a, you know one of these um, Parker type deals. You know, with the fur yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything, and uh, uh, you know, and I thought, cool, there's a photograph in that, you know, so got the aviator glasses out, <laughs> you know, and, uh, and picked up, picked up a cool looking guitar and off for went and that was it. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I don't think I look so cool with the ukulele in my hand, but. <laughs> there you go. There's an idea in that. Absolutely. For sure. What can you do with a ukulele? But yeah, I mean, you know, um, things like, things like that can look extremely cool, you know, if, you know, if if they're lit slightly differently, or there's always things that you can uh, that you can do to kind of make make those uh, things look cool. Uh, sometimes you can take something that's actually quite a mundane subject and just make that look cool by by lighting it in an interesting way. Um, and sometimes you can take something that's actually really interesting and just make it look totally normal. Like we did a we did some uh, some floating images uh, the other day, and really the idea was really to just take something that's it's supposed to look like totally normal. Hey, you're hoovering the floor, but you might just be floating in the air whilst you're doing it. 
<laughs> you know? So it's just, it's ultimately, it's just some dude hoovering the floor. I mean, that's ultimately what it is. It's just <laughs> not the way that you would expect it. I've seen the image. It's fantastic. It really is. <laughs> Cheers. But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, so, that's, so there's a difference. Um, there's sort of different approaches um, that always lead to something in the end. That's how. I've, All right, well, watch this space because maybe I, you know, I think I said that to you last time and, and you know, but, but, you know, I do feel something. So maybe I, I'll get my camera out later. Yeah. And these are actually exactly the type of things that we talk about in our weekly um, photo and video chat um, on Zoom um, every Tuesday uh, at two o'clock. Um, you know, it's exactly the kind of thing we're talking about. Um, you know, creative ideas, things to do whilst you're at home, you know, uh, exploring new areas of photography, for example, and, uh, and all of those kind of photo and video related things. One of the things that, you know, I think could be really interesting for photographers um, these days is actually making that move into video. Because, you know, we all own cameras that are amazingly awesome video cameras at the same time. And I think, you know, when, especially when I speak to a lot of so photographer, photographer friends, stills photographer friends, I should say, they really don't really consider the video capabilities um, all that much. And I think video can give you um, really a completely new dimension to explore, you know, if you're really used to uh, predominantly shooting stills. Um, and I say that because I, as, you know, as a child actually, or as a teenager, started out in, in uh, video. So that's my way into photography was actually via, um, via video. And the thing that um, fascinates me um, about video is the story component in it. Of course, we always tell a story with a stills photograph. Um, but with video, you can tell a story over time. And that's an additional consideration um, that you don't really necessarily have in stills photography. And that's, that's a really interesting um, dimension because, um, you know, a lot of the photography rules are the same. You're still thinking about the composition, you're thinking about the lighting, you know, all of that is the same. But it's what you show in the video, the story that you tell and the way that you edit, that's sort of an extra dimension that I find really, really fascinating. And I'm, married to uh to somebody who you know is a trained script writer <laughs> you know so that's that comes in handy but um you know so there's a there's a way to um kind of expand your creativity um and it's not like it was 10 15 years ago where stills cameras and video cameras were two completely separate things and you either had to spend a lot of money on one or you know or on the other these days we all have these amazingly capable pieces of technology um, already, you know, if we, anybody who's got a fairly modern digital DSLR uh, or mirrorless camera uh, has a really extremely capable video camera um, in their hands already. In fact, you know, just with the, ca the camera, uh, the Nikon that I'm shooting on right now, you know, if I had had that when I was 14, that would have been incredible because the quality that, that you know, I get out of a Nikon DSLR who's really, that's just really made for stills photography, but also has, you know, decent video quality, that quality would have beaten anything that was available in professional broadcast television back in those days. So, you know, we've, we've got the tool. Maybe this might just be the time to learn how to use it. 
You know, I have never, ever even switched on that function before my camera, not even to look at, to, yeah. to, 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 and, and I, I'm telling you now, Kirsten and Nick, that I, I will, I will, this week, I will, I'll explore that avenue, even if it just means a second's footage or something, but I have, I've always wanted to do it. I mean, cinematography, videography fascinates me so much, and I work with a lot of videographers, obviously, at functions that I do, and yeah. I, I get on. I get really well with them uh, and then I sort of follow them and look at their work and some of the stuff's amazing that, that people that people can come up with now. Um, so I will, I'll, 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 just for fun, I'll, I'd love to, to even, I've always thought I should do that, I should just do a, a day in the life of just around my house or something. So yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Well, even maybe I'm going to do it, I'm going, I'm going to do it. There, I've said it, I'm going to do it. <laughs> Well, it's, it's funny you say a day in the life of, that's actually exactly what our video challenge is. It's like a, a day in the life of, you know, lockdown sort of thing. Um, you know, and that could be anything. I mean, you know, you could make a time lapse, you know, you could script something out. Uh, you know, all, there's all sorts of different possibilities of, of making something. You know, it could be a day in the life of not necessarily you. It could be, you know, your coffee maker. Ooh, I, no, the amount of food that gets consumed in this house at the moment, we could just have like whole, you know, a whole edit of me stuffing my face with my yeah. kids. <laughs> Time lapse of the interior That's of the face I make. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. So, you know, it's, I think, you know, the possibilities are, are endless. And like I said, it's, it's just, it's like an observation, I would say, is that, you know, my observation is just simply that I see or I speak a lot to a lot of stills photographers who haven't really considered the video, the video capabilities of their. I don't even know where to begin, but I, I, I'll YouTube it or I'll, I'll ask Nick. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. That's right. So um, you know, again, every Tuesday, uh, two p.m. Um, you know, you find it on Facebook. We'll we'll publish the um, the Zoom meeting ID on on Facebook every week, and then you know we'll meet up and we can we can chat about all these things. So if anybody's who's listening to this podcast is interested in joining us um, on Zoom. On a Wednesday at 2 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. Now that I know what that is, <laughs> that's the time here over here in the UK. Um, then uh, you're more than welcome to do that. I'll just go to our Facebook page. That's uh, facebook.com forward slash camera shake podcast um, and check out the um, the latest uh, post relating to the uh, camera or photo and video chat, I should say, and you'll be able to join us there. So we've come to the end of today's Camera Shake podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, major thanks to our guest on uh, today's show, um, Debbie Ram from Debbie Ram Photography. It was really fascinating to listen to your story. And uh, I wish you the best of luck in your endeavors, um, all photographic and, and otherwise. And I'm sure we'll be, uh, you know, we'll be chatting in no time. <laughs> Thank you, you guys yeah. too. Like, I, I really love this podcast. It's, it, I hope it's really successful for you guys because it's brilliant. It's so well put together and you're both deserving guys. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. Excellent. So um, if you'd like to follow uh, Debbie's photography on Facebook, the uh, link to her Facebook profile will be in the show notes of, uh, of this podcast and we'll also um, put a link on Facebook, of course. Um, but without further ado... Um, that's it for this week, folks. Uh, you've been listening to the Camera Shake podcast with me, Kirsten Lutz and Nick Kirby. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, please do us a flavor and subscribe to the Camera Shake podcast over on YouTube um, or head over and drop us a like on Facebook. We'll totally appreciate that as well. So until we meet again every Thursday, 
from all of us here, the Camera Shake podcast. Have a good week. Until next time.